0: To, let me just get into Scripture. Let's pray this morning. Father, we love you and we thank you for your goodness, for your blessing upon our lives. God, on this Father's Day, we pray a special blessing on all the dads. But now as we open your word, I pray you would speak not just to the dads, but to the moms, grandpas, grandmas, everybody in the house, even the children, to hear the word that we have today from you. God, open our hearts. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles to Proverbs 4, the fourth proverb, Proverbs 4. You know, being a dad really is a big responsibility. One of the things I've learned about children having had boys and raised two boys, when kids are born, they do not come with an instruction booklet. How many of you found that out the hard way? And it's like, what do I do from here? And you know what I found through the years pastoring, dealing with people, people tend to do one of two things with their children. Number one, most of us raise our children exactly the way our parents raised us. All we know is what we were taught as children, so we do with our children what was done to us, and then one day we wake up, and our, you know, our kids are seven, eight years old, and we're yelling and screaming at them and saying things, and we're thinking, why am I doing that? And we realize it's because we had a dysfunctional family and we're just repeating what was done to us. And the other thing that I see a lot is people recognize they don't want to raise their children the way they were raised, so they go in a total opposite direction and throw all the rules out the window. But one of the things I've learned as I deal with people through the years is that God's Word has some instructions that can help us be better parents, better people, even better children to walk in the ways of God. And today I want to share some things from Proverbs. And Ultimately, there's four main thoughts I'm going to share. But I want to give you a bit of introduction. So look at Proverbs chapter 4. And I want to to show you some things here. Proverbs 4, verse number 10. Now, notice these words. Hear, my son. Now, pause here just a moment. Hear, my son. As I was studying the last several days for this message, I, I found out that this phrase, my son is in the Proverbs between 20 and 25 times minimum. That Solomon, in writing all of these Proverbs, much of it was written specifically to his son, probably to his children, to his family, not only for them to have, but today we're passing it on to the next generation. And so, as I studied this week, I began to go through all the times when Solomon said, my son, and I begin to read the things that he was writing to his son. And there's an overriding theme in all of it, and we're going to look at it right here. Solomon says, hear my son and receive my sayings. In other words, listen to the important things I'm about to tell you, and the years of your life Will be many. How many of you think that sounds like a good one right there? Yeah, man, I want those many years. I'll take that. Look at the next verse, verse 11. Solomon says, I've taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. In the next verse, verse 13, he says this. Take firm hold of instruction." do not let go. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Now, as you look at those expressions, take hold. Don't let go. Keep her, because she is your life. What's he talking about? He's talking about instruction. He's talking about teaching. One of the responsibilities of parenting, and dad's One of our responsibilities, perhaps the biggest overriding responsibility we have, is to teach, instruct, train our children for life. Falls on our shoulders. You know, society's changing so quickly and roles are being so confused on so many levels. And I think in, in a lot of America, we have no dads or we have absentee dads or we have blended families and there's, there's disparity over how we're going to deal with the children and so on and so forth. And sometimes the role of dad gets so diminished that we just kind of say, oh, well, if they don't want my help, I'll just forget about it. But the fact of the matter is God has given us dads, parents' responsibility to instruct our children and to teach our children. Now, in these verses... Let me just show you a couple things before we move on. What is instruction? Instruction is teaching and modeling right paths. Those verses use those very words in right paths. Teaching is is twofold. Number one, it's giving information, but it's also modeling by example. In other words, I'm going to show you or I'm going to tell you how you need to live and then I'm going to show you how you do that so what i say and what i do is the same thing there's no no confusion you know there's an old expression that sometimes what you do speaks so loudly i can't hear a word you're saying i think sometimes our kids get confused because we tell them one thing you need to do this and then we do something different and then we look at them and say do as i say not as i do and that's not how we model things for our children We're told to teach and to train, but to live a life that models the things that we're teaching. And it's interesting because he talked about instruction. He said, I've given you instruction so you can walk on right pathways. How many of you know there are a lot of paths in life that you can choose? There are a lot of paths. And if there are right paths, then it stands to reason there are also wrong paths. And some of us have been down some paths that we don't want our children and our grandchildren to have to walk down. And so God gives us a responsibility of teaching, instructing our children, modeling for them what right paths are all about. And the promise he gives us is so beautiful. He says, I'll give you long lives, long life. I will make your steps secure. I'll plant your feet so you're stable. And not only that, when it comes time to run and pursue things, you can run down that road and you will not stumble if you're on the right pathway. Then he concludes this section by telling us how to respond to his instruction. He says, receive it, take firm hold of it, keep it, because they will bring life. Now, what I want to do this morning, as as I look through these 20-some times that Solomon said, my son, a third of them or more He talked about instruction. He talked about commandments, about the way we're supposed to live. And as he talked about instruction, which is the overriding theme, as I studied, there were four main themes that really stood out in my mind that he talked about a lot that I want to refer to today. So the next few minutes, I'm going to read from four different Proverbs, okay? The scriptures will be on the screen, and I'll read some verses that aren't in there, but we'll have the main scriptures on the screen. But I want you to look at these four things that we fathers, we parents, we people need to understand. Number one, look at Proverbs 1. Proverbs 1. I'm going to begin reading at verse number 10. Proverbs 1, verse 10. Here we go. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood, let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause, let us swallow them alive like Sheol or, or hell, and whole like those who go down to the pit, we shall find all kinds of precious possessions, we shall fill our houses with spoil. Verse 14, cast in your lot among us, let us all have one purse. Verse 15, my son, he says it a second time, my son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. Surely in vain the net, I'm sorry, verse uh, 16, for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. Verse 17, surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. Verse 18, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly secretly for their own lives. Number one, one of the lessons that we need to teach our children is to choose your companions wisely. Choose your companions wisely. As you read through these words, it kind of sounds extreme because it's talking about hanging out with robbers and thieves and murderers. But you know, in life, there are all kinds of people and there are all kinds of ways that people live life. There are people next door to you that may live great lives. There may be people on the other side of you who are a little bit shady. Some people live by the law. Some people you know are living illegal lives, doing illegal things. Some people know that there's a way to work, to make money, to build a life. Some people want to take shortcuts and cheat and steal and entice people any way they can. Well, what Solomon is saying here is, number one, you need to choose your companions wisely and you need to teach your children wisely. To choose their companions wisely. Companions have influence on us, even as children. Your children's friends influence them. You know, a, a good example when you have little children, you know, they start going to school, they start hanging out with the neighborhood kids, and they make friends and they play with kids, and you know, that's all part of life, it's all normal. But all of a sudden, one day, you're talking to one of your kids, and you say something funny, and they go, <laughs> and you're like, Where'd that laugh come from? I never heard that laugh before. And you say it again and they say, <laughs> and you're like, what in the world? That's, that's not you. And the next day their friend's over at the house and you say something to their friend, their friend says, <laughs> and you realize, oh, he's imitating his friend. He's learning to. And then they start saying some words that you don't normally use around your house and some phrases and they start doing something. And it's like, where in the world is my kid learning this? I could tell you a great story, but I don't have time, and it would embarrass some people today. But I remember times my boys raised, growing up, it would really embarrass, it really embarrasses Zach. But uh, some things that they bring home and some things that they say, and you think, where is this coming from? Even as children, their companions are rubbing off on them. And hopefully your kids are rubbing off in a good way on other kids. But Solomon said, don't let yourself start running down a road with people who are on the wrong pathway because they will influence you in the wrong direction. I remember growing up, my dad had a gas station. He was a mechanic. He worked six, sometimes seven days a week on occasions. But at his gas station, I met all kinds of people. I mean, all, his, his gas station back in the day was like the local spit and whittle club. I mean, there's all kinds of people that hung out there. And, I, and you know, our, our life as a family, it revolved around church. I was at church several times a week. But when I wasn't in school and I wasn't in church, I was at my dad's gas station. And I heard a lot of things and I saw a lot of things at my dad's gas station that I didn't see and hear at church anybody kind of nod your head give me a bobblehead if you understand what i'm talking about there was some behavior and there's some jokes i know to this day that i can't repeat in church that i didn't learn at church i learned them at my dad's gas station and even as a kid my parents would watch me and i would say hey can i go over to so-and-so's house and play and they would say who's so-and-so who's his parents we don't know this guy we don't know his parents where does he live we don't know anything about him what are his parents like they would ask 17 questions i'm like i don't know it's just a kid i know who wants me to come over and play and their answer was always no if we don't know them and we don't know the path of life that they're on no you don't go to their house until we know them why because they understood that my companions were going to rub off on me mine's quiet in the house this morning There's an old saying that says you show me your friends and i will prophesy your future because the people you run with will influence you to go in their direction it's interesting as solomon wrote this to his son he said my son i want you to understand They may think they know some shortcuts. They may think they know a new way and a different way. You may look at it and say, well, this looks like fun. I'll run with this big gang and we'll do all this stuff. He said, what they don't understand is all these plans they're making, all they're doing is plotting and planning their own destruction. Parents, we don't want to have a hand in helping our kids plot their own destruction. We need to know who's influencing them. We need to teach them how to choose The right people as friends and companions as a matter of fact dads your kids are watching you and you cannot tell them one thing and do something different who are your friends who are your companions who are the people who are influencing you because eventually they're gonna rub off on you and your kids are gonna see it they're gonna see the difference in your life Solomon this wise man said choose your companions wisely can i just say on this last thought here you need to know your children's friends know their families know their companions because they are going to greatly influence your kids number two look at proverbs 24 way on towards the back of proverbs proverbs 24 and we're going to look at verse 21 and I, i think this next point is so important today In verse number 21, Proverbs 24, 21, Solomon says this, my son, fear the Lord and the king. Notice those words. My son, fear the Lord and the king. Then the rest of the verse says, and do not associate with those given to change. Now, doesn't that sound like two totally separate lines? When you first read that, you think, well, what's, what's the second one got to do the first? I don't get it. My son, fear the Lord and the king, and then the second part, do not associate with those given to change. But look at verse number 22, the next verse. It says, for their calamity will rise suddenly, and who knows the ruin that those two can bring? Who knows the ruin that can come into people's lives when they disobey the first two things that are mentioned In the previous verse, verse 21. Well, let's talk about it for a minute. The first thing he says is fear or respect. Have reverence for the Lord. Have reverence for the Lord. Dads, we need to teach our children to reverence God. We need to teach our children to reverence God. God. We need to teach our children that God is the supreme authority of the universe. And when we live our lives, he's watching our lives. And someday we give an account for how we've lived our lives. We are accountable to God for the life that he's given us. And he says, fear the Lord or honor the Lord, reverence and respect the Lord for who he is and what he is. Dads, it's our job to teach that to our children. Solomon's doing it right here. He's writing this book for his boy. He's says, son, I want you to know all these things that are important in life. And one of the things is you need to fear the Lord. And then Solomon began to set out to try to model some of that for him. There are a lot of dads who think, eh, spiritual stuff. That's mom's job. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not mom's job. It's dad and mom's job. See, we we, want to be the head of the relationship. If we want to be the head of the relationship, then we need to act like we know where we're going. And that doesn't mean excluding God. That means putting God in the center of life. Dad, you need to be praying with your kids at night. You need to be reading them Bible studies, stories. You need to be telling them about the things of God because kids need to learn about God from their dads. And somebody needs to say amen or give me a hand before I do it myself. That's good. Too many wives are abandoned to do this alone. Dad, you need to be right in the middle of it. Helping drive this cart. Teaching the fear and the respect of the Lord. But then the the, the next part is, not only are we to teach our children to fear the Lord, but we're to teach our children to fear the king. The second point, we need to teach our children, to honor authority. You know, number one, we talked about how important it is and and the fact that they need to choose their companions well. But our children also need to understand they are always going to have authority in life. Always, 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 always. They may buy a desert island and go move to that desert island and live there all by themselves with nobody around thinking, I don't want any authority. I want to do what I want to do. But when their life is over, they will give an account to God for how they've lived and what they've done with that life. There's always going to be authority. God has ordained authority even among government, and we need to teach our children to honor those who are in authority. That's hard to do today. I know that, I know that. America is so divided. The extreme left is way over there. The extreme right is way over there. Both sides are saying nasty things. We had another tragedy in our nation this week, something evil that happened because somebody on one extreme side is angry at the other side, so they start shooting. Let me tell you something. We need to teach our children by our words and by our actions, the things we say, the things we do, to respect those who are in authority. I know half of America doesn't like our president. Well, the other half of America didn't like the last president. So I'm to, one of the reasons people say, well, you ever think about running for office? No, because as soon as you're elected, f- at least 49% of the people are against you. <laughs> Why would you want to subject yourself to that? Not interested in that. The point is, God teaches us we need to have respect for authority. It doesn't mean we agree with every decision. Doesn't mean we like everything that's said and everything that's done, but we need to keep them in a place of respect and honor them because God has established authority among us. Now, the truth of the matter is you can go through the Old Testament, I can teach all the way through the New Testament from cover to cover, it's there in God's Word. It doesn't mean the prophets in the Old Testament didn't stand up to those kings that were ungodly and tell them you're wrong, they did so, but they never ever disrespected them and they understood God had put them in that office. It is our responsibility to teach our children to honor authority. You know, I, I grew up in high school in, in the late 60s, graduated in 71. That makes me, what, 48, something like that. <laughs> uh, I lived through the, you know, the big 60s and the 70s thing. I, I saw all that stuff happen, all the, all the things that were going on, anti-government, anybody over 30, you can't trust them, all that stuff. You know, I grew up in that day, and, and I remember my parents teaching me and training me to respect things that I didn't understand because God had ordained them even when I didn't understand it. But then the second part of this verse, he says, fear the Lord, fear the king, and then he says, don't run with people who are given to change. Then the next verse, he ties those things together. And so I did a lot of study this week looking at this. And you know what he's talking about? He's talking about people who come along and say everything we've been taught, everything that our society is built on, everything that we've always known and learned as right and morality, all of that's no good. We need to throw it all away and rewrite everything and just put together a whole new system. He's talking about rebellions, what he's talking about. In my lifetime, I've seen a lot of change in our nation. I've seen us take godly morality and throw it out the window. And even now, we're passing laws that say we have to embrace ungodliness and immorality. And what he said was, honor God, honor the king, but stay away from those who are rebels who come along and say, we got to change everything and throw it away. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a portion of Scripture where God said, don't remove the ancient landmarks. And there's two parts to this. The first part, he's talking about the fact that when Israel inhabited the land of Canaan and took over the promised land, that they put boundaries in. Each tribe had their boundaries, and then they begin to mark off the land. Each family had its plot of land. It's like we do today when they come out and survey and they put down the markers. The markers are down because it gives us the legal boundaries of the property that we own. And God said, once the markers are down, don't move the ancient landmarks. Leave them there. I've put those boundaries in for a reason. But spiritually, when you flip that over, God was making a statement. I've given you laws. I've given you rules. I've given you commandments. I've instructed you. Don't ever move those things and throw them away. Don't change them and say they're irrelevant. Friend, can I tell you today, godliness will never be out of style. Never, ever, ever. (laughs) Society may not like it, but godliness doesn't change. In God's heart, in God's eyes, it's always in style. We the church, you and me, we need to have a heart for the holiness of God, that we want his holiness to reign our lives and we want to live lives that are pleasing to God. And he said, keep your children away from people who want to throw everything away and start over because God said, I've already given you some pretty good boundaries, just stick with it. Stick with it. Number three, some of your anxious for me to get to number three until you hear what number three is. <laughs> Look at Proverbs 7. Proverbs 7. The third thing that Solomon talked a lot about when he talked to his son, when he addressed it to his son, he talked about controlling your lifestyle. Controlling your lifestyle. You see this throughout the Gospels of the New Testament, the fruit of the Spirit. Talks about living Self-control, but I want to show you two things that he talked about regarding lifestyle. First of all, Proverbs seven verse one it says, "My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. keep my commands and live, and my law as the apple of your eye. In other words, keep my law as the most important, most delightful thing in your life. Verse three, bind them on your fingers so that what you're doing is affected by God's laws. Write them on the tablet of your heart so everything that comes out of you is godly. In verse 4, he says, Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin. And finally, in verse 5, notice this, that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. In our world today, everything that the Bible says calls moral and godly. A lot of our world wants to do away with it. They want to throw it away. We live in a society where they say that morality is decided and determined on each given situation. It's all relevant. There are no ironclad rules. But Solomon, writing to his son, began to tell him, and there's the first thing I want to talk to you about. He said, you need to guard your lifestyle And you need to be careful that you don't fall into sexual immorality. It's interesting. He said all this stuff about understanding and and walking the right paths, and then he starts talking about an immoral woman. Now, listen closely to me. As we get down to the end of this, you'll see it. He's not just talking, putting women aside. He's not doing that. It's not what he's doing. And you'll see it at the end of this statement when I get to it. He's talking about a lifestyle of immorality. All godly morality is being challenged today by society. It's become the responsibility of parents to teach their kids what's right and wrong. You can no longer send your kids to school and expect the school to teach them what's right and wrong, especially when it comes to sexuality. Can I go one step further? It is not the church's responsibility to save your kids and teach them morality it's our responsibility to reinforce what you are teaching at home if you're here every week every Sunday we get your kids an hour a week if you're here once a month we get them an hour a month school has your kids many hours a week your neighbors and friends have your kids several hours a week TV has them all kinds of media things going on Everybody is screaming for your kids' attention. Parents, please hear me. It is your responsibility to teach your children what it means to be sexually moral and sexually pure. We will reinforce it. We will teach God's Word, but we cannot change their minds. We cannot re-indoctrinate them an hour a week with what they're being hammered with all week long. It's mom and dad's job to teach children about sexual purity So, can i say a couple things here moms dads grandpas grandmas you need to know what your kids are being taught in school don't wait until they're teenagers to start trying to open the lines of communication from the time they're little talk to them find out what's going on with their friends find out what's going on with their neighbors find out when they start going to school what are you learning at school what are they teaching you at school what are the subjects and when they tell you what the subjects are ask them what are you learning what are they sharing with you because i'm gonna tell you something we cannot depend on anybody but ourselves to teach our children the ways of God. It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility. And if you don't know what's going on with your kids, you don't know what to teach them to bring them back onto the right pathway. And the second, so- second part of this, you can't just tell your kids what morality is. You have to live a life that shows them what morality is. You've got to show them. you got to live that kind of life. You can't do that. Well, don't, don't do as I say, do as I do. It doesn't work with kids. They're too smart. Double standards, especially in our world today, cause children to run away from families and run away from God and run away from church. We need to be living the life that we talk about. Let me read this to you. Proverbs 7, there's several verses, so let me read it quickly. It's, it's pretty, pretty clear what, what, what Solomon's saying here. Proverbs 7, beginning at verse 6, he wrote these words. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice, and I saw among the simple. I perceived among the youths a man, a young man devoid of understanding. He was passing along the street near her corner, and he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. There a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. Isn't it interesting that thousands of years ago, even in Solomon's day, there was appropriate and inappropriate apparel for people? I'm just saying. Moms, dads, don't let your kid's favorite pop star teach them how to dress. You need to teach them how to dress. Oh, boy, that didn't go over good. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. What he's saying is immorality waits everywhere if you're looking for it. So she caught him and kissed him. With an impudent face, she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I've paid my vows, so I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face, and I have found you what she's saying is you know what i prayed and god says this is okay it's no big deal you know some 25 years ago or so remember a very prominent man in america got caught in very ugly sexual immorality and i remember when he because he was so popular the the press all came to his defense and you know what they said "Ah, that's no big deal it's just sex it's just sex let's keep reading She says, I've spread my bed with tapestry, colored colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. I don't know what that smells like, but it must have been smelling good, okay? Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He's taken a bag of money with him and will come home on a future day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as the fool to the correction of the stocks till an arrow struck his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know that it would cost his life. Finally, Solomon says this. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Not just the boys, but the girls, all of the kids, the grandkids. Listen to me. Pay attention to the words I'm speaking. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Don't let your heart run to immorality. Do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. In other words, even the strongest of people, when you fall into the well, you're going to keep tumbling down. Finally, he says this Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. I I have a friend. Many years he he was in church serving God, had a great family, beautiful wife, beautiful kids. And something happened. He, He got into a situation he shouldn't have been involved in, a sexual situation, fell into sin. I remember him spending time with his pastors, trying to save his family and turn some things around. But something happened. He fell into a well, and he got into pleasures beyond the boundaries God had laid out. Then it led to bondage. Then he couldn't get free from it. Several years later, if you could see what this guy's life has become, it's so sad, so ugly, not just immoral, nasty, filthy the things he's fallen into because he could not and would not break the bonds of immorality. So he lost his family. Now he's in a situation, if I had time and and the freedom to describe it to you today, it would make you sick at your stomach, to see the, the lifestyle he's fallen into because he wouldn't draw the line, follow God's boundaries. Friends, we need to teach our children but the horrible dangers and the effects of sexual immorality, that destroy our lives. Then the second part of lifestyle, and some of you are saying, Whew, "I'm glad we're done with that one." Well, let's get to the next one. Proverbs 23. I'm, I'm going to start reading at verse 19, but I'm I'm going to wait and have you come in just a couple of verses later. I want to talk to you for a couple minutes. What Solomon said about drunkenness. Everybody, turn to somebody and say, "Drunkenness." Y'all are way too quiet out there. Verse 19, Solomon says this, Hear, my son, and be wise, and guide your heart in the way. Do not mix with wine-bibbers or with gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe a man with rags. We're going to skip down Proverbs 23, verse 29. Same, same proverb, verse 29. Here's what he says. Who has woe? We'll get on the screen here. Verse 29, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has contentions, who has complaints, who has wounds without cause, who has redness of eyes? Next verse, verse 30, those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine. Verse 31, do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. Verse 32, At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Verse 33, your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like one who lies at the top of the mast saying, they've struck me, but it didn't hurt. They've beaten me, but I did not feel it. When I awake, then I may seek another drink. Now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a smart man. Some of you may not think that. I'm, I'm a smart man. I, I've studied God's Word from cover to cover. I, I can approach this from a lot of different angles. I am not the Holy Spirit to you. You have to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You have to set the boundaries for your life. But there's some things that Solomon warned his children about, and I think we need to be aware of this. Four things. First of all, drunkenness affects our vision. There's a reason why they don't want you driving a car when you've been drinking. And we could throw drug use in this as well. Drunkenness affects your vision, but it also affects the way you see life. Second thing, drunkenness affects your heart. It it causes you to begin to loosen the strings that are holding things together in your life and turn loose of things that you should be holding on to. Third thing, drunkenness affects your perception of reality. When you're drunk, you don't see things the way you should. You even look beyond what's natural and you do stupid things. I'm sure nobody here in this house has ever done that, but I've heard some people have. You you can do some stupid things when you're drunk and out of control. Solomon said it this way, you get drunk and you think, I'll just lay down in the sea here and just take a nap in the middle of the sea. Or you climb to the top of the mast in a big sailboat, a big ship, and you get to the top and you're all drunk and you're saying, they beat me up and I didn't even feel it. Man, they did all this stuff, it didn't even bother me. You lose perception of what reality is when you're drunk. The New Testament says, fourth of all, the New Testament says drunkenness is sin. When we lose control and we give ourselves over to something else, it's wrong in the sight of God. Now, you can walk this thing out. You can choose how you work this thing out with God. but I'm going to tell you something. Solomon said, warn your children. He warned his children. Drunkenness will take you down a wrong pathway. So guard your lifestyle. And number, number four, last thing. Everybody take a deep breath and say, <clears throat> Maybe not. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3, or the third proverb. The last thing that I want to give you today. Solomon talked about correction. Correction. Here's what he said in in verse 11 of Proverbs 3. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. This verse is quoted in the New Testament as well. Verse 12, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects just as a father the son in whom he delights. Don't despise the correction of the Lord. Don't say no when God tries to correct our lives. You see, the interesting thing here, when you start talking about correction, because we've had earthly parents who crossed the line, who didn't discipline us correctly, who took their anger out on us, a lot of us, when we hear the word correction, all we think about is punishment. He says, don't despise the correction of the Lord. didn't say the punishment. Can I tell you something? When God corrects us, he does it with one thing in mind. He wants to get us back on the right path. I've studied this end to end in the Bible. It's there. God corrects us to get us back on the right path. And he says when God begins to speak into your life, whether it's through his word or by his spirit, and he begins to speak things in, and he tries to bring correction, understand you're on the wrong path, and he wants to get you back on the right path so your life can be blessed. God has good plans for you. He has good intentions for you. But there are times when God will correct us when we're on the wrong path. That's why sometimes you can read the Bible and you're reading through a verse or a chapter and you don't even notice it. A few months later, you come back, you read the same chapter and you hit a verse and it's like, wow, I didn't realize that. That's because you're on a pathway that needs to be adjusted a little bit. That's how God corrects us usually. He said, don't despise the correction of the Lord. How many of you believe god loves you the next verse says god loves you he's going to correct you the same way a parent will correct his children proverbs 12 1 now these are not my words these are solomon's words whoever loves instruction loves knowledge but he who hates correction is stupid did you ever know anybody who's stupid did you ever not want to be stupid Don't despise the chastening, the correction of the Lord. But then let's, let's flip this thing over. As parents, we have a responsibility, listen closely, to correct our children. Not beat them and punish them, not be hateful and mean and put marks all over their body. That's not what God's asked us to do. He's asked us to do what he does, correct them. Why? To get them back on the right path. I'm almost finished proverbs 23 here's what solomon said do not withhold correction from a child for if you beat him with a rod he will not die people say oh my gosh i can't believe you're gonna beat your child in the original writings what it says if you strike him with a rod he will not die when i went to high school we had some coaches that if you got in trouble in school this is back in the olden days They wouldn't give you time out. They'd send you to the coach's office for a swat or or sometimes two or three. And they had this big aluminum paddle with holes drilled in it. And they would wail on you. And you'd have welts for days. Can I just tell you something? They weren't correcting us. They were punishing us. God never intended for you to beat your children and abuse your children. No, 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 no. But Solomon said your children need a rod of correction. When I was a kid, I heard this comedian, Nipsey Russell. Anybody remember Nipsey Russell? You have to be really old to remember. Yeah, I knew, I knew. I, knew uh, um, <laughs> I better leave that alone. I knew you would. <laughs> Nipsey Russell said, for all you kids who babysit and think children are a nuisance, please don't spank them in the face because God has provided a better place. You know, it wouldn't hurt... Some of our children to get a little pat on the bottom now and then, to get their attention, to let them know you're on a wrong pathway. We need to get you, oh, man, I don't like this. I'm sorry. Solomon is just the wisest man who ever lived. Don't pay attention to him. He doesn't know much. And he says in the next verse, you shall beat him or hit him with that rod and deliver his soul from hell. I'm not abdicating and I'm not, I'm not telling or, or, or telling you that you need to go home. And start beating. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's the responsibility of parents to correct your children, to keep them on the right path, the same way God corrects us. In closing, my time's gone. In closing today, John the Baptist and then Jesus and then all the apostles preach this common theme about repentance. Repentance is... I'm sorry that I'm on the wrong path, so I'm going to turn and get on the right path. Repentance literally means to turn. I'm sorry I'm on the wrong path, I'm going to turn and get on the right path. And throughout the gospel, John the Baptist, Jesus, the apostles, they all taught the same thing. If you want to come to God, you need to come with a whole heart and you need to repent, which means to turn, get on God's path and follow him. Maybe you're here today on Father's Day and maybe you're not walking with God. Maybe, you know, if, you're, if you're walking with God, you know it, and if you're not, you know it. Maybe you've never walked with God. But even as I've talked about being godly fathers today, godly parents, maybe as you've listened to this, something in your heart has been saying, you know what, I need to get on the right path. Maybe something's grabbing your heart and you're realizing, I, I don't really know God. I'm not walking with him, but I, I do want to know him. Maybe you're wondering, what do I do to, to know this God you're talking about? You know, Christianity is not about religion. It's about relationship with God. How do, how do I get started? Well, God put his own son on the cross to pay for our sins. He died, took everything wrong with us so that we could have everything that was right and righteous and holy about him. So that we could come into God's family and then God says, here's what I want you to do. I give you this Offer of forgiveness. I forgive all your sins and wash them away. I'll remember them. No more All I ask you to do is receive this gift reach up and embrace it It's just that simple In order to do that I had to turn and say, okay, God, I'm on the wrong path. I want to walk the right path I want to lead you in a prayer right now because this all begins with your words saying god I want you and I need you in my life So every head is bowed every eye is closed I want to lead you in a prayer. It's just words that are my words, but I want you to repeat these words and wrap your heart and wrap your faith around it. Maybe you've just been away from God a long time and you're ready to come home. I want you to pray this prayer. Everybody in the house, pray this with me. Let's open our hearts to God for a moment. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I want to be your child. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He died for my sins. was raised from the dead. I accept Jesus as my Savior. And I want to be your child. From this moment forward, I will follow you. And you'll be my father. In Jesus' name I pray. prayed that prayer today, and this is all new to you, maybe you just want to get back on track with God, I want to give you a little tool, a little booklet that'll help you. It's called The Next Seven Days. Just a little bit of reading, just a page or two of reading for each of the next seven days this week to help you start building and understanding what this relationship with God's about. I want to give it to you. When service is over, there'll be prayer teams at the front of the building. Just walk down no strings attached just say hey can I get one of those booklets I'll give it to you right here if you've got questions they will answer your questions if you want prayer for something else they'll pray with you if you just want to get it and go no problem we want to just get you started walking with God if you're in a big rush as you leave the building today the the final doors as you're going out there's this table set up there with the large screen it says the next seven days we'll give you the same booklet right there Again, we just want to help you start building your relationship with God. Can we put our hands together and welcome new family members into God's family? God bless you. And not only is it Father's Day, it's my wife's birthday. Give her a good hand as she comes.